Welcome to the Manly Banter. Everything you are about to hear is suggested for mature audiences. This isn't for everyone. If you're easily offended or don't know if you're easily offended, you're going to learn today. This may not be for you. This is raw, unrated, unfiltered talk. For those who stay, enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast where we sell Girl Scout cookies. No, we don't sell Girl Scout cookies. But we're, we eat that shit. We eat a lot. We're eating tagalongs right now. They're fucking delicious. Yeah, bro. They gonna wish they didn't tag along with me in a minute once that <laughs> shit passes through my gut. <laughs> Speaking of tag along, we we were taking along in the dick big dick commission and it didn't work out they kicked us out they said yeah. no too small too uh, small can't do that here yeah man it was bullshit it yeah. was bullshit man they kicked us out before we even got to show them our shit i know it's bullshit they're like yo skin color ain't right for this <laughs> white boys get the fuck out of here this is chinese people only <laughs> if your dick sits on top of your nutsack your dick is too small God damn it. <laughs> oh, we're all both out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Mine okay. sits on my bullsack. I'm a grower, not a show. Um, I'm <laughs> it grows ne- about... I'm neither. <laughs> it grows about two centimeters. I'm neither a shower nor a grower. What are we What are we talking about today? I guess our dicks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like every other episode. All right. Well, we got another beer today. Yeah. What do we got? A and W root beer. (laughs) (laughs) We got a fucking cider boys. Something is it the strawberry? It's the first press. It's just a regular, the regular apple press. Apple press. Apple press. And it's always good, dude. I don't even need to tell them how good it is. Just listen to this. That was a dick move. That was a sophisticated fucking (laughs) sip right there, bud. It is pretty tasty. Okay, so we are talking about cryptozoology. Is that wait? Is that what we're talking about on this episode? <laughs> Cryptoproctology. <laughs> Cryptoproctology. <laughs> we're going to talk about Bigfoot's prostate exam. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Self-administered because he then flung the shit at my face. <laughs> <laughs> Ran down my chest hair all the way down to my ball fro. Did you see uh, that that new uh, Doctor Doolittle movie with uh, what's his name uh, Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, oh yeah. And and then they're like digging in the dragon's ass and pulling out all kinds of shit. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care for that one. I don't know why. <laughs> I I liked it as a standalone. I didn't like it as like the Eddie Murphy Doctor Doolittle type yeah. of shit. It was like a whole different vibe. Yeah. Wasn't feeling it. I watched it, but yeah, Meh. It was good for kids getting into like, it's not as good as us getting into Dr. Doolittle, but it's good for the kids with all this like CGI and animation yeah. and shit. They had good voice actors. It was, it was not it was bad. All right. It was all right for what it was. Yeah. I'm waiting for Venom. Let there be carnage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Christmas Day. Yeah. Well, no, is it Christmas? No, time? no, it's uh, October first. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, what am I thinking? Oh, Matrix. 
the Matrix. New Matrix. That's yeah, that's December twenty third. You're yeah. a couple days shy of Christmas there, big boy. That's my Christmas. I'm gonna spend Christmas Eve watching Keanu Reeves. <laughs> spend Christmas Eve jerking off alone in the bathroom crying. And <laughs> jerking off on the Christmas tree. Oh my god, is that how they get the the snow the, the snow look to it? Yeah. <laughs> it's all dried up semen. <laughs> a bunch of elves just just all over your tree. Man. Oh my god. I'm what? getting a real tree this year. What if, once. Oh yeah? Yeah. But you I'd like at a tree farm or what? Yeah. There More than likely. Go. Just uh a little six footer. You know? Yeah. Just make sure you, you keep it watered and Yeah, fuck that. She can do little, it. Add a little sugar to the water. She wants a tree, she can take care of it, god damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just bring it in. You're just gonna care ho ho ho. Here you go. That's it. <laughs> Would you call me? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, you guys just gotta be careful with the fucking all the pine needles because uh do you have hardwood floor you carpet carpet yeah oh yeah 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 you guys are carpeted uh. <coughs> uh. Yeah. i just swallowed spit down the wrong side i almost died <clears throat> well at least you swallowed yeah it was like i'm a gentleman <laughs> my man why thank you yeah when she blows her load i catch it have you have you had any like funny a fucking shot of whiskey? Have you had any funny stories happen to you this week or anything crazy? Uh, um, besides me fa- almost breaking my neck, rolling my ankle. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, what about us trying to break that uh, break that bed frame? And then we we found out it had like a crossbar to, <laughs> to make it more sturdy. And every fucking spring in it. Was a fucking super spring from like the 1930s, dude. We would jump on it and then go kind of like flying up in the air. And shit. <laughs> Fuck dude, it. it was a trampoline, not a bed frame. I oh, swear, yeah. that thing was nuts. Oh, that was rough, man. Jumping oh. on every fucking board, trying to break it, and the spring bouncing us back. And then we had to saw it up. Yep, I gotta go uh, back out to that property tomorrow. I'm, I gotta get some stuff out of the rafters. Oh, up you there. still gotta go back there? Yeah. Which, eh, it is what it is. It's a nice drive. Can you keep uh, the ladder? The long ass one? Yeah. I mean, I it won't fit in my truck. Oh, fucking keep burn it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna cut it in half. You got to take it. Yeah, I'm gonna break oh. it all up. I also have to take the uh, trimming shears. We're like boring the hell out of people who are listening right now i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah we were doing uh we were doing a house clean out we found a lot of cool shit um yeah them creepy little fucking glass dolls (laughs) yeah the clown one did you see the clown one yeah yeah that one was weird that that Uh, was a cool house though yeah it was it's a nice house it was like from 1946 and shit and they never updated anything yeah oh well that's what old people you do. You can definitely tell the amount of detail that went in the houses then to now. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. There, was a, there was a lot of design in there that was just fucking... It had to take time to do the woodworking to make all of it look as good as it did. And now they're just like, slap some paint and drywall and get the fuck out. That fucking record player was awesome. That big ass entertainment stand with the record player on the inside of it. Yeah, I cool. still have that. I had to take that out of the truck by myself. Really? Yeah, dude. I broke every vertebrae in my back. Did you break it? No. No, I uh I brought one side down, the side without the record player in it. Yeah. And as it was down I grabbed the other side 
and kind of like gently picked it up and set it down. He gorilla fucked it. Oh yeah, dude. I was, I started getting some of my like fucking uh, Down syndrome strength back, and uh, I be I be putting in some fucking work. <laughs> I mean, isn't that always there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Oh man, I uh, I don't know. I don't like as far as funny shit goes. I just I don't think I have that much of funny stuff. This. We had to break up our daughters. They kept on trying oh, yeah. to beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> like, no! Mine! <laughs> We're a goddamn doll. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing Legos at each other and shit. <laughs> and then your girl said, wow, she's got good aim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, my daughter's a sniper with that fucking throwing shit. <laughs> oh, man. So we got it. We got what missing four one one today? Yeah, we're gonna uh, do some missing four one one runs in with run ins with unknown predators. Yeah, with Mister Ballin. Yeah, all right. Oh, this one's gonna be the Mister Ballin ones. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I like this. Cool. Okay, so we talk about Mister Ballin a ton on this show. Um, I absolutely love Mister Ballin. You guys will hear a lot of his material on here just because. The way he tells the stories is easy to uh, tell it back to you guys. Yeah. Um, Let me get that ready. All right. And we'll we'll pause it in between to talk about the, the, the bullshit going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The stuttering I'm doing over here. <laughs> here, let me, let's start this up. Every year, hundreds of people go missing under baffling conditions in the woods of North America. One former police detective named David Politis has investigated thousands of these strange disappearances, and he documents what he finds in his incredible book series called Missing 411. Today, we're going to look at three cases from the Missing 411 that might shed a light on what's behind all these strange disappearances. But before we get into today's stories, if you're a fan of the strange, dark, and mysterious delivered in story format, then you've come to the right channel because that's all we do and we upload three four even five times every week so if that's of interest to you please go to the like button's house on a really hot day and ask them to get you a cold drink while they're away hide a large raw salmon in their ass. i had a raw salmon in his ass huh yeah, yeah bro i'm eating a cookie <laughs> he always does really good like like my video comment things burn that someone bitch light it on fire and then share it you know you know i wanted to do a I wanted to get a like button outfit, like the costume. Yeah. And I wanted to do a uh, YouTube channel of Mr. Bolin's like button. And it's like him <laughs> living his everyday life. And then all of a sudden someone like throws a hand grenade at him or does the shit he's talking about in there. Yeah. All Gets right. jumped by a fucking bunch of luchador midgets. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let me, let me keep, Let's keep this going. Oh, I a large raw salmon. I can feel it. I can feel it coming on. While they're away, hide a large raw salmon in the AC vent. Also, please subscribe to our channel and turn on all notifications <laughs> yeah, to change so it. you don't miss any of our weekly <laughs> uploads. All right, let's get into today's stories. West Township is a rural area on the east side of Glastonbury Mountain in the American state of Vermont. This is significant because that places West Township in the so-called Bennington Triangle, which is apparently one of the most haunted places in America. The Triangle is a loosely defined area that encompasses the ghost town Glastonbury, which used to be a small logging community centered on the eponymous mountain in... 
So there's another triangle. How many want. times did I tell you there's several triangles? Fucking triangles, bro. Fucking Never Illuminati alien type shit. Never a circle. Never a fucking diamond. It's always yeah. a triangle. Southwestern Vermont. The town was abandoned at the end of the 19th century after the logging boom died down. So as a result, the greater Glastonbury area that West Townshend is certainly a part of is now untouched, pristine wilderness that even by Vermont standards is incredibly rugged and remote. The triangle has earned its spooky reputation due in large part to the alarming number of unexplained disappearances that have occurred there over the last 100 years. Furthermore, over those 100 years, there have been dozens of sightings of the so-called Bennington Monster, which is apparently this eight-foot-tall creature that roams the mountains of Glastonbury, and some people think that creature is behind many, if not all, of these strange disappearances. It's a goddamn Sam Squanch. I'll tell you what. Fucking Sam Squanch. <laughs> On November 23rd, 1943, 37-year-old Carl Herrick and his cousin Henry decided to go to West Townshend to do some deer hunting. At some point during their hunt, the pair got separated, and Henry spent some time yelling for Carl and looking around for him, but he couldn't find him, and so he assumed he must have gone back to their camp. But when Henry got back to camp, it was empty, and Henry waited around for a little while for Carl, but he had this sinking feeling that something was wrong, and so relatively quickly, he left to get police. Police show up, they launch the search, for three days, they combed the entire area, and there was just not a sign of Carl anywhere. On the third day, Henry discovered Carl's body. He was lying motionless, face down, in a clearing in the woods. Initially, Henry thought maybe he was still alive, so he ran over to him and rolled him over, and very quickly realized that no, Carl was deceased. However, there weren't any obvious injuries to Carl's body. He had some minor scratching on his arms and on his hands, but that was about it. Henry looked around the area and he found Carl's rifle that was loaded leaning up against a tree 70 feet away from where Carl was. He got raped by Sam Squanch and didn't want to say nothing. We'll turn it up. No, I'm just fucking with you. I just <laughs> stared at the screen pretending that I was facing out. <laughs> I you really you think it's a Sasquatch? It's the same Squanch, yeah. You know what? I don't. I think that he, the Sasquatch, is getting a bad rapport when he's not. If you're getting attacked by an ape, you're gonna have like crushed ribs, a ripped off fucking face, not scratches. Yeah, it's with scratches all over him. I think that it was like a witch or some shit. A witch, <laughs> something like that, man. Dude, did you? It this, was a warthog. You you remember the story with the the uh, firefighters that were trying to put out a forest fire? Actually, Mister Boland told this story too. I've heard this a couple different times. Uh, the firefighter was trying to go down this old logging road, and as he was going down the logging road, at first there was like a bobcat in the path, right? And it when it went to go like did its roar, it sounded like a scream, like a person screaming. And then the bobcat quickly ran up the tree and perched on the tree and stared at him. And he, like, slowly went under the bobcat and then, like, took off. And as he did, he ended up finding this, like, log cabin that did not belong out there. Like, there was no way that this thing should have been there. Well, he's like, okay, it's my job to let people know there's a fire coming. So he goes to, like, let them know. As he goes over to the... Are you about to rip ass right now? No, my stomach hurts. Oh. I don't want to push the risk. It. <laughs> risk the biscuit. Um, risk the biscuit. <laughs> my, uh, yeah, so he, he goes to this cabin. No one's in the cabin. Um, but it looks like someone has been, been living in it. 
Uh, as he leaves the leaves the cabin, he starts going back up the trail. He notices a woman, and the woman like opens her mouth and like screams at him, and then climbs up the tree and perches right next to the bobcat and is just staring at him. She opened her mouth, huh? Yeah, and he gunned that shit. He gunned his <laughs> dick right in her mouth. No, he fucking gunned the the. He took off in the the ATV. And he tried telling the guys and everything what happened, and as bad as they wanted to go see it for themselves, they couldn't. They had to fight the fire. Well, later on, he was at a bar, and he was talking about what he saw out there. And the locals were like, oh, yeah, it's a woman that lives out there, and she's like a proclaimed witch. So it's pretty cool, man. I think a witch could fuck you up pretty good. The Blair Witch. The Blair Witch. I'm going to fuck her. Next to his rifle on the ground was an expended <laughs> shell casing. Also, around Carl's body were apparently huge bear tracks. The official cause of death was baffling. Carl, apparently, was squeezed to death to the point where his rib broke and punctured his lung. So it's the theory became, Carl must have been out here by himself. He encountered a black bear. It was a Sam Scranch, 100%. That motherfucker squeezed his shit. It could have been a black bear. It could have been a black bear. I don't see a black bear squeezing you to death, though. Well, they, they'll grip you. They're not big. Yeah, big. It's strong enough. Yeah, but I don't see it crushing you. Dude, a normal man, right? Like, <laughs> a human that's supposed to be the size that they are. A like five inch. And, <laughs> no, five, five foot six and fucking 120 pounds or whatever. Three else. inch penis. Yeah, you got to give all the stats when you're when you're pulling <laughs> out there. <laughs> Size ten I shoe. I feel like a black bear could do some some severe damage, man. I, I think it would fucking maul you before it crushes you, for sure. It's not a fucking elephant. It's not going to step on you. You're well, he said dead. it was bear tracks. Yeah, well, that's debatable. Some sort of master debatable. <laughs> he fired it's... one shot at the black bear. Thinking it was down, he walked over to check, and the bear attacked him and squeezed him and killed him. The end. But not so fast. If Carl encountered a black bear and fired one shot into the animal based on the one found shell casing, that one shot is not going to be enough to put that animal down. Or very nope. rarely is one shot going to be enough to put down a black bear. And Carl, being a hunter, he would know that. And he would want to keep some distance with his weapon up aimed at the animal in case he needed to fire again. But even if Carl was really confident that one shot had taken the bear down, well, why would he risk his life by checking on the animal to make sure it's down without his gun? Why did he place it against a tree and then walk 70 feet over to this animal that if it's not dead, it poses an enormous threat to you? You're all alone and unarmed with a huge bear that you've shot? No one's going to do that. You're going to carry your gun. But even if all of that happened, that Carl, unarmed, approached this bear thinking it was dead, but the bear's not dead. He's lying in wait and he leaps up and attacks Carl. Even if that happened, black bears don't squeeze people to death. They nope. might scratch you and Called bite it. you and rip you to pieces. Fucking told you. They don't squeeze you to death. But they and pounce. Carl only had light scratching on his wrists and on his hands. He did not have any signs of a traditional bear attack. So either this is the uh -huh. first time in the history of black bears that a black bear squeezed a person to death or something else squeezed Carl. But what It's a fucking Sam Squanch, I told you. It's the trees. 
You ever watch Evil Dead? <laughs> the trees. They squeezed the, him and raped him. The trees. <laughs> Suck that vine right up his uh, ass. Dude, okay, because I do agree with that. If he, like, shot the bear and then he's like, ah, let me set my gun down and go check on this bear here. Usually if you would end up, like, taking down a bear, you would start alerting someone, like, hey, I got the kill, you know. Yeah, something. Something. Fucking you know? being dragged 70 feet. I think he put his gun up against a tree because he was going to take a piss, and that's when something fucking got him. <laughs> it was stealthy as fuck. Yeah, like he thought he saw something, he probably shot, and then he's like, ah, fuck, nothing happened. So then he, like, put the put the gun down, and when he put the gun down, he's like, ah, I'm going to take a piss or a shit, and then Sasquatch came up. You ever see a bear shit in the woods? Well, you're about to see me shitting in the woods. <laughs> Where's that Charmin Ultra we see in the commercials, goddammit? Yeah, well, and then when they said the light scratching, that's yeah, that's totally different. Yeah, bear will fucking rip oh, yeah, your that's shreds. Like gouging. Yeah. Like, I've, I've seen the aftermath of, like, bears clawing. They have, like, scalp people and shit. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's horrifying. What kind of an animal is, one, so strong it can squeeze a man's chest to the point where it breaks his ribs, and two, happens to be roaming around the Bennington Triangle? Makes you wonder. My ex-girlfriend. <laughs> She's always wandering Eight around Canyon that triangle. Eight Canyon is a <laughs> on the southeast portion of Mount St. Helens in the American state of Washington. The canyon is so named after a group of miners alleged that ape men, a.k.a. Bigfoot, attacked their cabin there in 1924. And if you want to learn more about that specific event, I covered it on my YouTube channel in an earlier video. It's right here. It's called Scariest Bigfoot Attacks, and I'll also include a link in the description. And while some people believe there are literally ape men running around this gorge on Mount St. Helens, there's never been a confirmed sighting. However, there was an event in 1950 that forced the general public to come to terms with the idea that there could be ape men running around Ape Canyon, or at least a large predator somewhere out there. In 1950, 32-year-old Jim Carter was a member of the National Ski Patrol at a ski area called the Milwaukee Bowl, which is in the state of Washington. Like everybody else on the ski patrol, Jim was a highly skilled skier and mountaineer. In May of that year, Jim was a part of a 20-person climbing party from Seattle, Washington. Their plan was to go to Mount St. Helens, hike up above the tree line, pick a spot, and then ski back down again. So the group arrives at Mount St. Helens, they hike up the the mountain they reach the spot where they want to ski down from they sit down they're putting their skis on and jim puts his on and he says to the group hey why don't i ski down a little ways i'll set up my camera on a tripod and i'll take a picture of you guys as you pass and then i'll follow you down to the bottom would you ever go skiing um i tried it it's not for me i'm not good at it <laughs> not for me either i ain't that white <laughs> <laughs> so the skiing i couldn't like, I thought with rollerblading it was going to be easier for me than it was because, like, the foot movement and everything. Yeah. But it's really, it's not. It's really different than, like, inline skating and shit. But uh, snowboarding, I, I snowboarded a little bit. Uh, I'm just a big fan of sledding, dude. Yeah, same here. I fucking love getting on a good inner tube and just shooting down a hill and hoping I don't die. Yep. Or even a plastic sled, man. Those are fun. Yeah. Make a ramp at the bottom and mm. just hit it. Eat shit. Eat shit hard. The old school way. Now I don't want to do that anymore. But <laughs> I do want to. I want to take like a nice tube and just go flying down a couple ski hills. That'd be super fun, dude. That'd be a lot of fun. All right, let me continue the story. 
The group said, great, that sounds awesome. And Jim wanted to use his camera, so it was a win-win. So Jim, in full view of the entire group as they're getting ready, he skis down a little ways and then turns left into an area called Dog's Head, which was a little bit flatter than the area they were in, so probably a better spot to set up his tripod. But as soon as he turned left into that area, he was out of view of the main group. So after a few minutes, as the group is getting their stuff on, they took a little bit longer because they're trying to time it. So they all leave at the same time because they want to get this picture all at once. And so they take a little bit of extra time. They're all ready. And then finally they head down and they make that left. They're going to pass by Dog's Head specifically so Jim can take their picture. But when they bank around the corner, Jim's not there. And so they're looking around and they're saying to each other, did he tell us he was going somewhere else? Because it seemed an awful lot like he was going to Dog's Head, but obviously he's not here. And so someone said, well, maybe he got annoyed with us because we were taking so long to get ready up there and he just already went to the bottom. So he was just around the corner pooping. Yeah. He was just taking a nice little shit. Yeah. He's like, I got to get this picture, you guys. But first, I got to shit. Yeah. This isn't the only uh, skiing story that's happened where it's just been like they just suddenly are gone. Yeah. It's like something just fucking woof. Or they fall through something, you know? Yeah, like the, uh, what are those, the, what are those called? The, like the embankments with the trees and shit. Uh, uh, are they called banks? Uh, I thought they were called something else. I think it was called snow banks. I think it's called you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> and so they agreed... That's what he did, and so they got back together again, and they headed down to the bottom. But when they got to the bottom, Jim wasn't there. And so they sat there for a few extra minutes, looking up at the mountain, and they're, they're kind of scanning down at the bottom, and they're looking all over the place, but there's no sign of Jim. And so the group started to get really worried, and they contacted authorities. When the first search team arrived, they went up to the area where the group thought Jim had been setting up at Dog's Head. And as they were looking around, all they could find was this discarded film box. So not any film or camera inside, just a box that would have held the film. It was kind of buried in the snow. Near this film box, they found Jim Carter's ski tracks, and they were not angled south towards the bottom of the mountain where the whole ski group had gone. They were angled east towards Ape Canyon. And they followed Jim's tracks, and they said they never deviated. They were total straight lines, like he was not trying to slow down. In fact, he was trying to go as fast as he possibly could, and at some point, he began leaping over these huge ice crevasses that if you miss time, it's a death sentence. You're going into the crevasse. And he didn't just... The crevice. Yeah, the fucking crevice. He's from uh, wherever the fuck. Canada? Yeah. No, it's not Canada. Uh, God damn it. Where is he from? Like Pennsylvania or something like that. Something. I think he's from East. <laughs> From uh, east. Uh, He's from east. Somewhere. <laughs> I'm like saying multiple different. All I know is that he like pronounces a lot of things a little different. And crevasse is like his big one because he like tries to say it how it's all proper. The crevasse. It's fucking a crevice. Check out my vase. Yeah, we're lazy. Look, Look at my ass. <laughs> over one he jumped over two three four at full speed without slowing down and then his tracks got all the way to the edge where it overlooked ape canyon and he went flying off when the head of the search team saw this crazy ski line from jim carter he said to the media that the only reason a guy like jim an expert skier who would never take risks like this the only reason he would be skiing like this is if his life was in danger or if he was being pursued so the search teams moved down into Ape Canyon, and for five days, 75 people 
combed the entirety of Ape Canyon up and back over and over and over again. They never found Jim and they never found his skis or his camera or anything. And the whole time they were looking, those 75 searchers would report that anytime they were alone, they had the distinct feeling they were being watched. And it got so uncomfortable for many of them that they refused to go back into the gorge unless they had someone right next to them. After those five days of searching almost exclusively inside of Ape Canyon, they spent another five days not only continuing to search Ape Canyon, but also the surrounding areas. And finally, after 10 days of finding no trace of Jim Carter, the search was terminated. The only rational thing investigators could point to as the reason behind why this happened to Jim was he was diabetic and he had forgotten his insulin that day. So perhaps he became hypoglycemic and he became confused and then managed to ski off the cliff into Ape Canyon where he landed in such a way that he remained hidden. Or like the head of the search party seems to think, he was being pursued, he was skiing for his life. Or was he now? Well, where the fuck are those tracks? You're about to hear some shit. I think I heard this story. Whatever was chasing him had scared him so badly that he was skiing in a straight line down a cliff, jumping over ice crevasses before falling into Ape Canyon. And then presumably whatever forced him off the edge went down and scooped him up and took him away. And that's why they couldn't find him. But unless someone finds his body or finds some other piece of compelling evidence, we will probably never know for sure what happened to Jim Carter. Oh, this isn't, so this isn't the one. There was a guy who went missing over there. uh, He was on a skiing trip, and people said that they heard what sounded like the faint yelling of a person. You are trying to eat chips as quiet as possible. You're like, (laughs) he's like, maybe. (laughs) Fucking A, dude. Um, Yeah, but no, there was people who said that they were hearing... The noises of someone calling for help, but they never were able to find them. But I, I guess that wasn't this guy. I thought it was. Nope, not that guy. Somewhere out in the Sierra Nevada mountain range lies a small hunting camp that's been there since the 1950s. Despite its fame, only a handful of people know exactly where this camp is. But even if you were given explicit directions on how to get there, you might just walk past it because it's tucked away in the middle of the woods up on this mountain. It's just a small fire pit, a couple of logs around it, another log set up for cutting wood, and there's some paths that have been beaten down over the years from its occupants, but it's pretty much unremarkable. According to camp members, the fastest way to get to the site is by horseback, and it's approximately eight miles, and it's through very rugged terrain on this mountain, and it includes a 4,000-foot elevation gain. However, this eight-mile trail is not marked, and every year it changes slightly because trees will fall along the way, changing the topography. Ron Moorhead, who's one of the four original camp members, laments the fact that anybody knows anything about this campsite. He wishes they could have kept it a secret, but he knew that wasn't an option after what they discovered there in late 1971. In early 1971, Ron was a young man and he was invited out for the first time to the Sierra camp by the three founding members. When Ron got there, he fell in love. It was this beautiful, natural, pristine wilderness that overlooked this amazing valley and they're surrounded by these huge white fir trees. There's a freshwater stream that trickled by. And in terms of hunting, the deer were plentiful. Ron said this campsite was the closest to heaven he thinks he'll ever get. The only real drawback of the site was the large bear population, but they always had guns on them and they built this shelter out of heavy fallen timbers that they could go inside, shut the door, and they'd be protected from the bears until they left. When there wasn't a bear threat, they slept on the ground in tents. In late 1971, Ron came back... Sorry, I wouldn't even risk sleeping in a tent if I knew bears were around that area. Why not? 
Bears will fuck you up. I'll fuck a bear. No, I'm just kidding, dude. <laughs> I, think I hear you. Fuck you. There's. <sighs> I don't know, man. I'm kind of different on that one. Uh, there's a lot of ways that you could set up to. Thank you. There's a lot of ways you could set up to not have to um, deal with the animals, like a lot of little decoys and shit like that. But yeah, but bears, they can swim, they can climb, they can run. So what you're saying is you'd rather fight a bear than an alligator? I mean yeah. an alligator than a bear? No. Wait, which one? Uh, I'd probably fight an alligator over a bear. I'd choose a bear. You're more likely to scare away a bear than an alligator. Yeah, but you can grab an alligator by the tail and hope for the best, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) No, look, dude. A bear... Okay. If you have an encounter with a bear, most of the time a bear will just leave you be, right? It's not common for bears to attack. Right. It's common for alligators to attack because they don't give no fucks. Yeah, alligators will fuck you up. They'll even come out of the water for you. Yeah. I'll fucking run like a little bitch. What, what would you do if you got into an encounter with an alligator? You know what? Kiss your pants? I'd run. Like, I'd run. Here's my <laughs> thing. Here's my fear. Like, I like canoeing, like, a lot. And mm. uh, my fear is I've seen where people go canoeing and shit and... There's alligators, like, smacking into their boats and shit. And it's like, why the fuck would you go canoeing there, Florida? <laughs> that was yeah, a sneeze. It's, it's pretty rough, man. Um, That's like a song. What would you do? If I got into it with an alligator? Yeah, like, I mean, if I was around alligators enough, I would fuck with an alligator. Because I'm not, like, afraid of the alligator to an extent. Like, if it's a massive one, no. Like, three feet, that's my limit. If it's over three feet, I am fucking with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'd probably try to beat it. If it was coming after me, I'd beat it. Look, but you can stick. only do so much. A stick ain't gonna do shit to an alligator. It's basically got body armor. It's well, like, you could jump on its back and, like, stab it in the head. Yeah, you got a quarter-sized spot to hit. Well, that's about as big as their brain. Yeah. So I don't, I'd probably be stabbing it in its underbelly or on the sides. That you might be able to get away with, but yeah. I, do alligators even really feel pain? Uh, I'm sure they do. I seen the clip of those alligators that were all like on the shore or whatever, and the other alligator grabbed its leg and did did its fucking death roll and ripped the leg off the alligator. Ooh. Yeah, that's some crazy shit there. I wouldn't want to fuck with one like. Just to fuck with it, though. No, I wouldn't go out of my way to mess with it. No. But, like, in a survival situation, yeah, I'll craft some sort of, like, spear or something and try stabbing it in the head. Yeah. Or the gut. Yeah. The or gut. in its dick. <laughs> Good luck finding that thing. I think it's inverted, like my belly button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, she man. Said, like mine. <laughs> Can't even see it. No, I seen his dick. It's... It's not that small, it's, but it's not that big either. Yeah, we got a dock. <laughs> Stay tuned to watch us docking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get ready for that, folks. Oh, man. Let's finish this story here. Yeah, because we're kind of... 
We're we're uh, really pushing. This is our first uh, episode uh, in in a in a, a little week. while. Yeah. yeah, so we're trying to get our groove back. Bear with us. Next one will be better. The other three founding members, they'd had a great day of hunting, and they were standing around the campfire just chatting with each other when they started hearing a grunting sound not far away from them in the forest. Now, typically, whenever a bear came to their campsite, it was usually at night, and they would hear it grunting somewhere off in the forest, and as soon as they heard it, they would stop, and they would listen to kind of confirm it was a bear, and if it was, they would go inside of their shelter, and they would wait for it to leave. But this time, when they stopped to listen to confirm it was a bear, the sound they heard next was something they had never heard before, and it was so frightening, they almost fell over each other running to get inside of the shelter. It was like a whooping sound you would expect from an ape, except instead of a series of whoops like you would expect from an ape, it was one loud whoop and then silence, and then another creature somewhere else made a responding whoop that sounded whoop. different than the first. It's a howler monkey. Whoop, 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 but they're only doing it once. Yeah. Whoop. Howler monkeys do that, though, sometimes. They just say, whoop. These ain't howler whoop. monkeys. These are Sasquatch. Yes, and squanches. There was at least two creatures that were basically speaking to each other out in the forest out of view. Ron would say, as these creatures were howling and whooping at each other out in the forest, the men were huddled around inside of the shelter looking at each other like, what is that? Has anybody heard that sound before? And nobody knew what it was. And after a little while, they heard these creatures running towards the camp. They were pretty well off, but they heard these heavy footsteps approaching. And so Ron and the others, they put themselves up against these slats inside of the shelter where they could look out in the direction where these creatures were. And they're staring out just past the light of their campfire into the dark forest. And they hear these things running, 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 and they stop. They don't come into the clearing. It's like they're just outside of where they could see. And then their tone completely changes. These creatures, which are now one on one side of the camp and one on the other, begin speaking to each other in a language that almost sounds human, but it was nonsensical. It sounded like an imitation of a human language, but not human. And so Ron and the others are terrified and they're just staring through the slats, waiting to see this creature that's gonna emerge at some point, but it never does. Instead, the creatures continue to stay outside of the light and they move around behind their shelter out of view. And so Ron and the others move to the very middle of their shelter to get as far away from the walls as they can because there are breaks in the walls and they're worried one of these things is gonna reach through and grab them. But Oops. finally, after hours of these creatures running around the perimeter of their camp communicating in this totally otherworldly language, they started whooping again and ran off. And for the rest of the night, Ron and the other three stayed right in that shelter. The next day, when the sun came up, the men were out of that camp as fast as they could. These are hard, rugged men, and they were very shaken up by this experience. And they tried to talk about it, but there was just no way. They are really hard and rugged. <laughs> <laughs> men. <laughs> <laughs> to describe what they were hearing and experiencing and so they just decided they just wanted to get out of there as fast as possible and they'll deal with this later but as soon as they got out of the woods and back to their homes they didn't talk about it anymore except ron became obsessed with whatever it was that was making that sound he so desperately wanted to find out what it was and so he convinced the other three members to come with him and go back to the campsite. Except this time, Ron was going to bring an audio recorder and he was going to try to capture some audio of these creatures. If we went camping and you woke up with a sore asshole, would you tell anyone? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Want to go camping? 
<laughs> I want everyone to know. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't know why my ass is so sore. I know. <laughs> so the four men went back to the campsite. They didn't even hunt that day. They stayed right near the campsite. They made this big fire, and they're all just kind of nervously sitting there waiting, kind of hoping it happens and also hoping it doesn't happen. And at some point in the evening, Ron said he heard footsteps way out in the middle of the forest, and they sounded like they were running towards the camp. The four men sprint inside the shelter, lock it behind them, and Ron turns on the audio recorder. Now, before you listen to this famous recording, here are its bona fides. After being recorded, Ron sent it to Dr. R. Lynn Curlin, who is a professor of electrical engineering at the University of Wyoming, and he and his team analyzed it, and they concluded that one, it was unaltered, so it's not been edited, it's not been doctored in any way. It's an authentic audio recording. And what do you think it's going to sound like? I've heard this recording. What's it going to sound like? Whoop! Whoop! <laughs> Let's see if you're right. Two, whatever was making the sounds could not have been a man because their vocal range was dramatically higher and lower than that of a human's. The doctor said based on average pitch and tract length, the creature that was making the sound most likely was between seven foot three and eight feet tall. In addition to the Dr. Curlin examination, a cryptolinguist expert named Scott Nelson also pointed out that it would have been nearly impossible in 1971 for Ron or any of the other hunters to dub the sound of their voices, which are on the recording, over the sounds that these creatures were making. Because a couple times in the recording, you hear both sets of voices happening at once, that's something you couldn't have done in 1971. Despite numerous attempts to debunk this recording, it still stands as a legitimate, unedited recording. Although what they were recording is still a mystery. Have a listen. Grandma, get out the woods. I don't want to hear your nonsense, Grandma. She's like, cookies are done. No one's answering. She says, whoop. Cookies done. Whoop. I'm going to whoop that ass if you don't get some cookies. <laughs> That's what she was saying. Get your ass over here. I'm going to whoop <laughs> that ass. That's the point. Yeah. Certain free go. There's two of them across the creek at the big rocks. The fuck was that? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, deeper. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> oh, daddy, deeper. It's a hard act to follow. You sound like he talks to others and they talk to each other. Yeah. He said, Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Kind of sound like those old uh, kung fu movies. Godzilla. <laughs> 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 King Kong.
Cause they're up. Oh my god. Shortly after this recording was made, Ron stopped hunting at this camp. However, over the years, he has gone back several times because he's obsessed with trying to find out what's out in the forest. But he says to this day, he still has no idea. So that's going to do it, guys. If you found the secret... So yeah, that was a pretty good recording there. I like that. That last one was my favorite. Whoop! That ass. Whoop! That ass. <laughs> oh my god, man. What a fucking episode. I don't even want to drag this on. <laughs> okay. Like, uh, it's... Yeah. Okay, so I've been decently distracted for this episode, so I apologize for that. Um, handling some family shit. But, anyways, here's my thing, bro. Okay? If you're out in the woods and you start hearing some fucking monkey sounds, it's time to get the fuck out. Yeah. Even if it's not a Sasquatch and it's just a regular monkey, that's still going to fuck you up. Yeah, it's time to go. Would you go chill in a fucking jungle full of baboons? No. Hell no. My name ain't Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Sean. Oh, yeah. His name. The Sean, Rundown. Sean William Scott or something like that. Yeah. yeah. That was a fucking great movie. Well, I love it. The Rundown movie. or was that yeah. Walking Tall? No, it's The Rundown. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it was one of my favorite movies back in the day. Mine too. Well, you want some of this? You want a little thunder? A little, a little bit of lightning? lightning? Oh, 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 oh. Bam, gets punched in the face. Son of a bitch. Oh, shit, man. What a fucking movie that was. Yeah. But with that, you guys have a good day, you sexy motherfuckers. Can I get a hoya? Oh, yeah. Woo!